Welcome to Marriage Steps with Dr. Wyatt Fisher. We're reducing the divorce rate. One marriage at a time is the goal. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get us there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, licensed psychologist and marriage counselor. This show is for you, America, your life and your marriage. So call 303-596-6836 or email info at drwyattfisher.com with your questions for me. Today I'm going to talk about five keys to accepting your partner. It's been said in marriage, the two are to become one and the problems begin when they try to decide which one. And this is very common. A lot of us try to mold our partner into many versions of us. And we think, if only they're more organized, if only they're more sociable, like me, if only they're more punctual, like me, life would be so much better. And away we go, trying to chisel, chisel, chisel to make them many versions of us. And doing so through the years can create great damage because it sends the message to them that they're not good how they are. We want them different than how they're wired. Now, this is a balance because it doesn't mean that your partner should never change or never try to accommodate or compromise. However, a lot of times we try to chip away at them and behaviors that may never change because that's just how they're wired. So you don't want to go to the one extreme where you never expect any change and you want to avoid the other end of that continuum where you're expecting foundational changes in how they're wired. So I'd like for you to pick one trait of your spouse that drives you bananas. Okay, think about one quality they have, one behavior they have, uh, one trait that they have that really is hard for you, it really aggravates you, and it just drives you up the wall, and I'd like for you to apply it to these five steps I'm going to talk about here in a second. One trait in my marriage that my wife has that can get under my skin is she has a tendency to leave piles. And if you've listened to some of my other episodes, you know that I can be somewhat of a control freak or I like order and I like things picked up and spick and span. That's how I was raised. Um, And so I have that same standard in my house and my wife was not raised that way. She does not have that same bent. And so her tendency is to leave piles. So for example, she'll be cleaning the kitchen and she'll clean everything but leave all the pots in the sink. And I walk in the kitchen and the first thing I notice are the pots and she wants me to notice the, all the other things that she did. And so this has created some friction in our marriage is this tendency for her to leave piles to get really close to finishing, but then she'll just leave the last little bit. So step one is reframe your partner's behavior that can be aggravating to you as an amusing part of who they are. And this concept comes from John Gottman, who's done more marriage research than anyone out there. And again, you want to think about this trait that your partner has in an amusing way. So for example, with my wife, who tends to leave piles, the way I've reframed that is I call it the 80% rule. She goes by this 80% rule where she'll work on something for about 80% and then she stops. But thinking of it as the 80% rule puts a little spin on it that's more lighthearted. And even that shift in and of itself makes me feel less tense about that behavior that she has. So what about for you? What's a behavior your partner has that can be aggravating for you? And how can you spin it to make it, uh, to view it or frame it as more of an amusing part of who they are? It will help you feel different about it if you can do that. Step two. What made them that way? 
So I didn't have to look very far when I started wondering, what made my wife leave piles? Why, why does she do this? Where does this come from? I didn't have to look very far because I realized whenever her mom would come to visit, that's exactly what her mother does. She will organize the counters and leave a little pile. She'll organize the floors and put everything into a pile. She'll organize the dishes and leave a, a pile of dishes on the side of the counter. So piles is what my wife was raised with. That's her normal. So who am I to say that completing everything and completing the task should be the way? That's just my normal because of how I was raised, but my wife has her own set of normal because of how she was raised. So what about you? When you're thinking about this behavior your partner does that irritates you, where does that come from? Most likely, it's going to come back from their upbringing. It's going to be probably something that was modeled to them or demonstrated for them growing up because that's probably part of their normal. So you want to look for the origins because when you look for the origins, it helps you have more compassion for why they do it. Third is what is the silver lining? If you were to have to find a positive quality about this negative trait or this irritating trait about your partner, what would it be? The silver lining. So for me, when I think of my wife, how she leaves these piles, this 80% rule that she operates under, the silver lining for that is it's actually helped me relax my standards through the years because my standards can be too high and I can have some obsessive compulsive tendencies with how orderly I like things. And if left to my own devices, I can go too far. But being married to someone who's much more laxed than I am has forced me to relax as well. So that's a silver lining in this trait that she has. So what about you? What's the silver lining, the, the positive or the benefit in the trait that your partner has that can bother you? What's the silver lining in that trait? Four is what are their other positive qualities? It's so easy to hyper-focus on the negatives in our partner, and that can be all we think about and all we focus on. But often, we need to zoom out and remember all of the other positive qualities that they have. Usually, those are the qualities we fell in love with. But after years of being together, we forget about those and just focus on the ones, the qualities that we don't like. So in my marriage, when I think about my wife and some of her top positive qualities, one of the top ones is she's one of the most tender-hearted, sweetest people you'll ever meet. She's very grace-oriented, she's non-judgmental, she doesn't keep score of wrongs, and she's very sweet-natured. And almost everyone that meets her likes her. She's had multitude of females say, you're my best friend, you made me feel so safe. And that quality about her, that goodness in her heart, is one of the main reasons I fell in love with her almost 25 years ago. But instead of focusing on that, I focus on how she's not picking up her piles and I get irritated. And so I lose perspective. And I think that's what a lot of us tend to do in our marriage. We lose perspective. So what about for you? If you were to zoom out from the negative behaviors you hyper-focus on with your partner, what are their good qualities? And intentionally spend time looking at those and commenting on those and meditating on those. It will change your heart. And it'll make their, their negative behaviors, it'll put those behaviors in proper perspective. Fifth is what are some of your difficult behaviors that would be hard for them to live with? 
We get so preoccupied with how hard it can be to live with our partner's negative behaviors that we forget that we also have negative behaviors and we don't think about what would it be like to live on the other side of me with my moods, my ups, my downs, my words, my habits, whatever it is, what are some of my negative traits that would be hard for my partner to put up with? Because it's a two-way street. So for me, one thing I mentioned in other episodes is I can be impulsive and strong-willed at times. And this came out several years ago for my wife and I. I had finally become licensed as a psychologist. And if you know anything about the mental health field, that's a long journey. So you have to go through undergrad of four years. Then you have to go through graduate school, which is five years. And then you have to accumulate post-doctorate hours which for me took four years, and then you can finally sit for your licensure exam. So I sat for mine, I studied for about six months, and it was the hardest thing I've ever taken. It was on my entire doctorate degree, and I thought for sure I failed. It was so difficult, but I passed. And in my family growing up, when you do something significant, you reward yourself. In my wife's family, if you do something significant, it's expected of you, you don't reward yourself. So I was thinking, man, this is amazing. I passed my licensure exam. I'm finally official. I'm finished. So I went to my wife and I was like, you know what? I think this means I deserve a sports car. (laughs) And she looked at me and she quickly said, you're crazy. Bad idea. We have four kids. Sports cars don't have back seats. And we live in Colorado where there's ice and snow and sports cars are rear wheel drive. Bad idea. And so I said back to her, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. The next day, I decided to myself, you know what, I'll just browse, I'll just go to some car dealerships and check them out, and and by the way, that's a bad idea. If you know your wife is not on board, do not go browsing, but that's what I did. I went browsing, and I pulled into a, a dealership, and there in the showroom was this beautiful sports car convertible, and it was used a few years old, so it was a great deal, and I got into a frenzy. I had car fever, and I called my wife, and I said, hey, I found the perfect car. It's amazing. Oh, my goodness, and I told her all the details, and she reminded me, this is a bad idea, no back seat, rear-wheel drive. We have four kids. I don't like this idea, but the last thing she said was, I'll let you choose. And as I hung up the phone, all I remembered from the conversation was, I'll let you choose. So I raced over to the sales lady and I told her, I'll buy it. So I bought the car. I'm driving home an I-25 with my the top down. I had bugs in my teeth because I was smiling so much. I was so thrilled to have this convertible. I get home and my wife is upset. She's very frustrated. Uh, she thought I knew better than to get this car. And I reminded her, she said it was my choice. Um, but she said that I should have known she didn't really mean that. And so I got in trouble. And shortly after that, it quickly became a problem. Within days, she was starting to ask me, hey, can you take you know, our youngest child to the dentist? And then she would remember, oh, you, a car seat can't fit in the sports car. I guess you can't do that. A couple other days would go by and then she'd say, hey, can you pick up all the kids because I have to go do some errands? And then she'd remember, I can't because I had a two-seater. And so it was starting to create more and more marriage problems because I got this car. So my idea I came up with is I said to myself, you know what, I know what I'll do. I'll whine her and dine her. I'll, I'll take her out to a nice restaurant in Boulder and I'll, have, I'll teach her how to drive the stick shift in the car and maybe she'll warm up to it and think that it's her car. She'll fall in love with it. 
So that was my plan. And so I had reservations and we're driving to Boulder. She's driving to Boulder, learning how to drive the stick shift. And little did I know, Boulder was having an ice storm. So as we enter into Boulder, I start seeing cars spinning out on the road. And right then we went up on a bridge and as we crested the bridge and started coming down, she lost control of the car and we did three to four 360s going down that bridge. And finally we slammed into the median and came to a stop. We weren't hurt, we weren't going fast enough to get hurt thankfully, but she looked at me and I looked at her and she did not have to say a word. I knew I had to get rid of the sports car. So much to my chagrin, the next day I had to drive that car. I chose to, she didn't tell me to. I drove it right back to that dealership and I traded it in for a more family friendly car. And I had that car for six weeks. So I share all that to demonstrate that that's what it can be like to live on the other side of me, to be married to me. Is that sometimes my impulsivity and strong will can get the best of me and that can be difficult for my wife. So that's important for me to remember. So what is it for you? What are some difficult behaviors or traits or tendencies that you have that would make it hard for your partner to live on the other side of you? Thank you for listening to Marriage Depth with Dr. Wyatt Fisher. For more marriage resources, please go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. And if you enjoyed the episodes, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your family and friends about the podcast to join our fight in reducing the divorce rate one marriage at a time. Take care.